Hello, hello, hello. What's up, everybody? This is Supriya Mehra, your mortgage advisor, and you're listening to the Canadian Real Estate 101 podcast. More people than ever are building generational wealth through real estate. And on this show, I sit down with some of the top real estate agents, lawyers, accountants, and investors to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies that they are taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Hello and welcome to another episode of Canadian Real Estate 101 Podcast. This is your host, Supriya Mera, and I'm so grateful that you're listening to me today. Today's episode is going to be a bit different. It's my milestone 40th birthday, and I want to hang out with you guys, sharing some of my own wins and failures, some of the things that I believe in, my biggest learnings in the past four decades. Now, before we start, I do want to put out a huge disclaimer that I'm not a financial or investment advisor, nor am I any kind of life coach. In this episode, I'm simply pouring what I believe in and have acquired over the years. Some of the learnings uh, came from my upbringing and others I have acquired through various life experiences like working in corporate, running my own small business, my real estate investing journey, and becoming a parent. Believe it or not, but kids can really teach you a lot. If you're following me on the gram at Canadian Real Estate 101, then tag me if you enjoyed listening to this episode. So one of my first learnings is to keep things simple. That's called KISS. I used to make things really complicated, but now I'm trying to keep things really simple in my business and also my personal life. Great example is of morning routine. Now, I know there are tons of coaches, gurus out there who tell you a perfect morning routine, and I've tried different variations of what they had to recommend. For example, there was a point when I was waking up at five o'clock doing journaling, meditation, writing my thoughts reading for a few minutes and then going to the gym and uh, then getting kids ready and, you know, sending them off to school and whatnot. But by the time I sat down and started doing my real stuff, it was already 9.30. And I'm like, wow, I've been up for four and a half hours and I haven't got one thing done for my business. Now, I'm not discounting anything. I'm not debating what is right, what is not. But You will see different phases of your life. Currently, I'm a busy mom and have a busy schedule, busy work life as well. And I feel much better when I've hashed out things that move the needle in my business. So I can be more present with my kids when they come from school. And I'm not bothered about key things that were not done during the day. So as of right now, for the past few weeks, I want to say... I have switched my morning schedule. It's not as complicated at all. In fact, what I do is I wake up at whatever time between 6, 6.30 and get quick movement just from upstairs down to uh, my working room, my office, which is just one floor down, and um, open my laptop and get to it. The night before, I will write down things that I need to kind of work on, focus on uh, the next morning, and that's it. I'll start working on it for I would say at least hour, hour and a half. And say, for example, this content creation is one of the things that I would want to do during that particular time so that I don't have any distractions. I'm completely fresh and uh, I can put out my thoughts as I want to during that time. 
Now, number two, there are two ingredients of success that I truly believe in. Number one is consistency. It's not huge steps taken less frequently that will matter in your growth. It's really the small steps that you're taking on consistent basis that will take you the long way. For example, you might want to lose weight. Dieting for a period of time might help you and you'll end up regaining that weight after a while. However, if you change your habits over time, like keeping things, you know, that you enjoy eating, reducing the sugar content, I guess, increasing uh, your water content and uh, doing portion controls, then you're changing that habit. Over a period of time, you will see that your weight, you know, starts shedding off and you're able to retain that reduced weight for a longer period of time. The other ingredient that I find for success is patience. If you are not patient in anything, unfortunately, you will not reap the rewards. Good things take time. You can't get nine women pregnant and expect to have a baby in one month. So you have to be patient in order to see the results. We have all heard the story of the bamboo tree, the Chinese bamboo tree, and I love the story. A Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to grow. It has to be watered, fertilized in the ground, and uh, where it has been planted every day, it doesn't break through the ground for five years. That's a long time. After five years, once it breaks through the ground, it grows 90 feet tall, but, you know, it takes five years to get there. It takes five years of love. It takes five years of nurture. It takes five years of patience. It takes five years of consistently taking care of it, watering it, giving it fertilizers and, you know, sunshine. So these, in my opinion, are the two keys of uh, success, which are really important. Now, my third point is somewhat related to diversity, diversify. Now, in school, we were taught with this basic concept of diversification. Often too many times I see people keeping their investments either strictly within real estate or stocks. Right now, talking about investments specifically, but it also relates to diversifying your skills. Now, let's talk about diversifying your portfolio first within and outside of real estate and stocks. And what I mean by that is if you invest in real estate, you can diversify into various asset classes, mix of residential, commercial, mix of cash flow and appreciation, favorable locations, and so on. For example, we invested in Ontario for appreciation and not primarily for cash flow. However, our Alberta and Florida properties were purchased from the intention of generating some cash flow. Investing in stocks as well, diversifying in dividends, paying stocks, growth stocks, perhaps a good mutual fund or S&P 500 uh, will help you diversify, you know, your investment. And Think about it this way. So 20 years ago, I don't know if you remember, but there was a company called Enron. Now, if you had put all your investments, say $100,000 in Enron, you would have lost every penny out of it. Whereas if you 
diversified, say, 50,000 in Enron, 50,000 in Apple, yes, you would have lost 50,000 that was invested in Enron, but your Apple stock would have appreciated over the last 20 years. And more you diversify, basically, you are reducing the risk that comes from all these investments because investments, as we know, are definitely not risk-free. There is some kind of uh, risk association to any investment that you do. So that's what I want to kind of share my insight about diversification in terms of the investments. Now, when it comes to skills, yes, I've heard of that phrase where they say uh, jack of all trades, master of none. But where it continues is a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Learn multiple skills, guys. Try to see which are some of the top skills that, uh, you know, are highly valued and having two to three of those skills will be very useful uh, for yourself. So diversify your skills as well. Point number four is be, do, have. I learned about this concept through Jim Fortin's podcast. He's a transformational coach. Listen to some of his content. He's actually pretty amazing. He has some fantastic stuff to talk about, which is typically outside of business topic. But somehow I feel, I believe in that your mindset, your, you know, the other woo-woo stuff, the universe, the law of attraction and all that stuff is also very uh, critical in terms of giving you the results that you actually expect. So listen to some of his episodes. They're pretty intriguing. They're pretty interesting. So anyways, now his idea is in order to have what you want, you first need to be who you need to be and then do the things that you need to do. In other words, you need to become the person first. Take those actions then and then finally you will receive what you have become basically, right? So it's a combination of becoming that person. So what are those attributes that you have? Like you're trustworthy, you keep up with your commitments, you honor your word. These are some basic, basic things. But once you show up as a person who is that and who believes in, you know, taking those actions based on those values, then ultimately you have what you want in life okay so it's a very simple com uh, you know concept but doesn't mean that it's easy in my personal life I have definitely tried my best to be the person who will ultimately have what I want to have in life right and it's always like I said it's always being mindful of how you're feeling what kind of of emotions are you exhibiting and all that great stuff. So I highly recommend listening to some of his episodes if you want to go deeper into that topic. And he might even have, like he run these uh, workshops as well where he takes deep dive into this concept of be, do, have. I'll put the link about uh, this as a resource on the show notes as well. So if you're interested in taking a deep dive, I highly recommend doing that. Number five, if something takes less than five minutes, then do it. I have hundreds of examples for things that can be done under five minutes, but we procrastinate on them. And 
I'm a big procrastinator, by the way, saying out loud there. I've realized when I see a bill, uh, I used to just put a mental note that this needs to be paid and it would sit on my desk. I would stare at it. And two days before the deadline or something like that, I'm like, oh my God, shoot, I had to pay this. So I would get on it, right? But now I've switched things again and trying to go back to the KISS principle, keeping things simple. Now, if I get something, it's done right away, right away. If it's taking less than five minutes of my time, it uh, gives me that feeling uh, that I got stuff done. Even if it was as simple as, like I said, paying a bill. Now, this thing will not sit in my head for a week or maybe longer. I've opened it up. I've paid the damn bill and it's out of my mind. It's not taking that space and energy in my head. Whereas I have space to pay attention to other things that deserve more of my time and attention and so on. Okay. So that's number five. Number six is there are late boomers. And what do I mean by that? Some people achieve what they want much, much later in life. And that's totally okay. If you, you know, want to achieve something, say by when you're a 20 year old, 30s, 40s, and so on, but have not received it yet, it's okay. It's absolutely fine. Your value is your worth, your value is not determined by what you have achieved in life, okay? I know our society somehow loves seeing success stories like a millionaire at 20, 100 properties when I was 25 years old and so on. Top entrepreneur, 40 and under, 35 and under. That's all great. I'm absolutely not discounting their hard work. But it doesn't mean that rest of the 90% are a failure. In my head, it's actually very commendable for somebody who is, say, 50 plus, started a business or a charity or did something amazing and great for themselves. There are so many late boomers in life and nature. I absolutely love those inspiring stories. Some of the prominent examples I wanted to share with you are Martha Stewart. She started her company when she was 50. Leo Goodwin, he is a founder of Geico Insurance Company, if you've heard of it. He did that when he was 50 years old. Now, who hasn't heard about KFC? Harlan Sanders started KFC when he was 62 years old, guys, 62 years old. A decade later, the company had grown to hundreds of franchises and Sanders sold his ownership for $2 million. $2 million. Today, KFC is valued at $12.6 billion, according to Forbes. Now, I would be disappointed, <laughs> perhaps, if I had sold my owners over $2 million. And uh, going back to, you know, patience and stuff like that. But hey, you know what? At... 72, $2 million, not a bad deal. I would probably just go ahead and use those funds, have fun with it, right? Um, don't know how long I'm going to live for. So um, there you go. So that's number six. Number seven, biggest investment you can make is in yourself. 
It can be developing or improving a skill, your health by eating right and being physically active. More you bet on yourself, invest in yourself, there are few things that happen. Not only your income goes up, but you also feel confident. When you start feeling confident, you show up differently. You manifest what you feel. And your frequency is completely at a different level. And you start attracting things and opportunities that help achieve your vision for your ultimate life. So trust me, biggest investment you can make is in yourself. Start le- reading those podcasts, books. Go to those Tony Robbins, uh, Tony Robbins events. Do things that inspire you. Stretch out of your comfort zone and invest in your health as well. It's the number one asset that you have, okay? So your health, your mental health, your physical health is the number one asset you have. What's the point of breaking in millions and millions of dollars if your mental health, your spiritual health, your physical health is on a decline, right? So to in order to enjoy the wealth, invest in your own self, invest in yourself. Okay, number eight, Uh, we all have 24 hours in a day. Warren Buffet, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Rakesh Ambani, Shah Rukh Khan. And guess what? You and I have something in common, and that is we all have 24 hours in a day. How do you spend your 24 hours? Is it by mindless scrolling through Instagram feeds, TikTok these days? Or doing things that actually move the needle in your life, that actually take you closer to where you want to be over the next two, three, five, ten years, and so on. Here are a couple of things that I try to apply to be more efficient with my time. I take a process and uh, first I try to eliminate anything that's non-value add. If it can be eliminated, then the next step is I either try to automate or delegate. For example, this podcast needs to be edited. The intro needs to be added and outro needs to be added as well. If I were to sit and edit, it would take me hours to do it. And I would probably do a pretty crappy job at doing this. Whereas if I delegate this to my editor, which I actually do, big shout out to the pod geeks. And they do it for me. Yes, I pay them, but I see that as an investment, not an expense. So there's a difference. Understand the difference between an investment and an expense. Next tip is uh, try Pomodoro method. Identify a task or tasks that you need to complete. Set a timer for 25 minutes. Work on that task without any distractions. When the alarm sounds, take five-minute break. Now, five-minute break does not mean scrolling through social media. Keep your phone away. Five-minute break might mean grab a smoothie, get some water, get a stretch, go out for a quick five-minute walk, listen to something inspiring, read a book, read a chapter from a book that you're reading, okay? Journal, perhaps. That's a great way to take a break. Do those things during that break. Keep your phone away. Repeat the process three more times and take a longer 30-minute break and start again. So I have been honestly trying this method in the morning. Then after I drop my kids to school, then I take a break during lunchtime and do this again. I would say that it's pretty efficient. Like things that I have to do that, again, are taking me closer to my goals. I can break them down to smaller tasks that would take 20 to 25 minutes and I work my way through that. So give it a try. 
If you break down your day, uh, your work day based on this technique, chances are that you will be able to get things done with less distractions and therefore feel more efficient with your time, if that makes sense. Number nine is uh, be spiritually wealthy. When you come from a space of giving without any expectations, you experience life completely differently. Create and invest in, you know, deep, authentic, and meaningful relationships. And this is what I'm trying to do with this podcast through social media as well, is I'm trying to create and invest in creating these um, deep, authentic, and meaningful relationships that I'm coming from really from space of giving at the end of the day of whatever I know I'm, I'm an open book, I'd love to share. Life happens for you and not to you. So understand uh, the difference between both of these terms. If something happens and it didn't go as expected or as you had planned, there's probably a reason behind it. And most of the time, it's completely outside of us knowing what was the reason behind it. But trust me, uh, when you look down, say, 5, 10, 15 years after, you will be able to connect the dots. You can't connect the dots that are in front of you. But when you look back, you will be able to comprehend. You will be able to see the light behind it, the reason behind it. There's always a reason behind it, okay? And make decisions out of faith and not fear. Those are some of the things that I would say is how you can be spiritually more wealthy. My last point is, uh, my point number 10 is really around understanding the difference between your vision and goals. Now, this is a mistake I used to make when writing goals, mixing up the outcomes with the goals. I know it's a little bit convoluting what I'm trying to say, but hang in with me. I have a point here. One example that I can give you or a few examples that I can give you is uh, say you want to write down your goals. I've seen people writing, um, including myself, that have million dollar net worth by 30, business to make 250K in net profit after taxes by this year, lose 15 pounds in three months and so on. These are smart goals and they are great for sure. They are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and time bound. They check mark all these things. The way I now think about it is these are barely the outcomes of what I put in today, tomorrow, each day for the next 10, 20, 30, 90, 120 days, 500 days, and so on. What are the key things that need to happen today so I can achieve that outcome over the next time period of, say, 90 days, 180, 360, and so on? What are the activities that need to happen between now and next 90 days that will take me closer to that outcome? Measure the outcome on a regular basis. Is this the activity driving any results? Keep regular checkpoints. What are you doing on a daily basis will really create the basis of what's coming in the next 90 to, say, 365 days. Have a vision short-term and long-term, and reverse engineer your actions in order to get there. Merely having a vision board, sending out the vibes to the universe will not be sufficient. It needs to be backed by action and experiment. If we look at our decisions, our actions as experiments and conduct ourselves like scientists, we will be able to take on our failures as learnings. 
Actually, to be honest, word failure doesn't even exist in my vocabulary. Uh, what I learn uh, from this experience is how I lead with. So there you go. That's my top 10 learnings and my top 10 thoughts, whatever you want to call. I had a list of 40, to be honest, one for each year. But then I thought about you. I didn't want to drag this episode for too long. But if you see enjoyed listening to some of my insights of how I see the world, I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening once again. Tag a friend if you found this to be helpful. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. It's going to be an awesome day. Have a great weekend and we shall see you next time.